Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Baris Chopra. Baris is the founder and CEO of Wingify, which makes Visual Website Optimizer a market-leading A-B split-testing tool. Baris launched and bootstrapped Visual Website Optimizer as a one-man software company in 2010, and within two years had over 1,000 paying customers. Baris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Omar. I'm glad to be on the show. Very excited to talk to you. So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business. Sure. Um, so personally, um, I've been always uh, an entrepreneurial sort of a person. And when I say entrepreneurial, I don't mean in the sense of I have put up a lemonade stand uh, in my uh, in my locality. But I was, <laughs> uh, but I was always fascinated by the story of say Yahoo or Excite and all these uh, startups. And I was reading them uh, as as early as in my eight and nine standard in school. And the reason I got uh, got uh, familiar with the startup world was because of this book called Founders at Work. So it's it's written by Jessica Levingston, and it features about twenty to thirty interviews by different startup founders. So as I started programming more on computers and started reading more about uh, the folks who were doing their own startups, it just felt very obvious to me that there is this one simple machine which is computer, and I can almost take over the world right from my room and and that that was fascinated that what fascinated me and that is what still fascinates me in in the power that uh, the technology provides to change the world and impact the world and uh, so as far as uh, my uh, sort of background goes uh, i majored in biotechnology it's surprising because today i'm doing an ab testing startup um but again, the reason I majored in biotechnology is because throughout my school, throughout my high school days, I was programming uh, so often that uh, I, I thought I knew everything about computers. So I just chose a different field altogether. So in that sense, I was very keen at exploring just new and different fields um, and uh, and just carrying through the startup bug throughout my uh, college. I did a couple of startup projects before Wingify became successful. So Wingify was not my first attempt. It was actually my fourth or fifth attempt of doing a startup. Tell me a little bit more about that because, you know, we often we hear the the success stories and, and people often have this misconception that, you know, they got lucky. They had this They had this big idea that I just can't find and that's why they were able to get this successful business off the ground almost overnight. But we often don't hear those stories about, hey, I, I tried and it didn't work and I tried and it failed. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Oh, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I, I just feel uh, there's this incredible amount of uh, iteration involved when it comes to just stumbling across something that works uh, again and again. Uh, um, uh, you, you could try so many different things uh, when, when it comes to doing startup. But getting that exact product market fit, which is to deliver what customers want, it's not a very easy 
be an easy thing to discover. And especially when you're young and when you're just starting out. I mean, I remember when I was in my engineering college uh, and uh, especially for the people who are entrepreneurs who think that they're, uh, you know, smarter than other folks, they end up just uh, drinking their own Kool-Aid. So whatever cool idea they get, they usually end up uh, believing in it too much that then then later they get disappointed and nobody cares about it. Um, so after a lot of such uh, uh, brash attempts of doing something that nobody wanted, I eventually realized that uh, a way better approach is just to ask people what they want. And uh, that's that's what I did with Wingify, where I simply talked to lots of people and uh, asked them just very general, broad questions. What's you, what are your frustrations? What do you like? Uh, what, what do you expect the world to deliver you so as to may, uh, make your days better, so on and so forth? Once you start talking to customers and once you start reading on forums what are people's frustrations then comes the hard part of coming up with an idea which was not totally your imagination right that idea was driven more by what the market needed or what customers needed so it was a very different way of looking at the startups and uh, i feel the insight really comes after you have failed maybe a couple of times doing your own cool idea that never worked out are you a developer yes so that can be a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, a lot of non-technical people will say, God, if I can only write code, I'd be able to do so much more. But quite often when you can write the code, it's too easy to just go and build something that you think is a cool idea. Right. I mean, that's, that's exactly true. It's a blessing and a curse. And it, it's curse because uh, I mean, developers and engineers usually cannot just stop themselves from coding something up if they believe it's a cool or interesting idea. And I remember if I would get an idea um, in, in the evening, I mean, the next week I would just want to spend it just coding it up, seeing it come alive, irrespective of whether it has any value or not. So so you're exactly right. And it's, it's very hard to then distance yourself. It takes a lot of skill and conscious effort to observe yourself, whether it is... Uh, in the right direction or not. So give me one example of a, a product that you built that failed before you started Wingify. Oh, uh, sure. So I I built uh, a product called Kroomsa. Uh, it, uh, it was a portal that featured uh, rock bands from Indian colleges. So I was I was an engineering student myself and in my college and other colleges nearby, there would be new and upcoming rock bands that would come and perform. And uh, I just thought that there should be a portal that aggregates all of these new and upcoming rock bands. And that was a cool idea. And that is what I thought was my startup. Uh, I I spent uh, maybe one month coding it up and then I launched it tried approaching different bands, tried approaching audiences. But of course, there was no business model associated with it. I just thought it was cool. I coded it up and, and it didn't work out you know, because I, I didn't study how big was the market opportunity and uh, if people were ready to pay for these up-and-coming rock bands and all of that. It was just very idea-driven. And, uh, and after a while, uh, even I lost interest because it was not, having a good amount of growth. 
Okay. Now, before we dive into more details about your, your current business, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? Um, so I'm not much of a quote person, uh, but, but rather what excites me every day uh, is, is, to, is to challenge what, what's the current best in the world and try to do even better than that. For example, when everybody has lots of role models and I have lots of role models, I love, comp- I love companies uh, that have scaled tremendously. I love leaders that have created world, uh, world-class products. And when I, when I wake up, I always question myself, you know, what's lacking in me that I cannot have the same amount of impact on the world or I cannot build the similar amount of great products and not just me, what's, what what could it take to build a company, build a team to achieve such great products? And especially another factor that uh, excites me a lot is to be able to do that from India in Delhi and uh, not really from Silicon Valley in San Francisco. So it, that makes challenge, say, 10x more difficult. But that's what's exciting, right? To seed an entirely new way of product thinking in India and Delhi and build great products uh, from a location probably nobody expects to see good products coming out from. Absolutely. No, and I think what you're doing is a great example of that. Tell me, where did the idea for Visual Website Optimizer come from? Um, Like I said, it was for the first time, it was not that much of idea driven, but it was very much market and opportunity driven. And uh, as, as I was doing my previous startups, uh, which were not working out, I started learning more about marketing uh, because I realized that's how you get traffic on the website. Right? As simple as that. Um, and uh, that's how I started learning about single analytics, content marketing, SEO, all those related aspects to online marketing. And um, the first version of Wingify actually didn't work out. So in the first version of Wingify, which I had built over seven, eight months, uh, it had all features from testing to targeting to analytics to segmentation and goals. Uh, it was good in theory that you had so much of functionality available, but I didn't really put a lot of uh, thought on user onboarding and usability because I didn't realize that those were important aspects. I was still stuck in the engineer's mindset of building cool things, even though it was very opportunity-driven. I'd, I had identified the opportunity, right? But it was still very much uh, driven by what I felt should be in the product. Um, so so the first version was a little bit complex and didn't work out. And then I just started talking to people who had signed up for the first version and asked them, uh, you know, what's wrong? Why you're not using it? What you would want to be doing? So I had a lot of such conversations. And from these conversations, it emerged that... Uh, there was a specific feature, which was A-B testing, which people were really interested in. But the current uh, solutions uh, in the market, uh, like Google Website Optimizer, they were not really you know, serving their needs. So I, I just focused on what people were telling me again and again, that they wanted a better A-B testing solution. And I went ahead and developed uh, Visual Website Optimizer as the world's easiest A-B testing tool and ditched the uh, prototype which I had developed which had lots of features entirely and the focus really proved very helpful because uh, since I was focusing on 
one feature I could really put a lot of thought on to onboarding and um, uh, user engagement parts. So the first version of what became Visual Website Optimizer was called Wingify. And yeah, you, you spent seven or eight months building that. Did you talk to people during those seven or eight months or, or did you wait until you had the finished product? I did not talk to and the, to people and that was my uh, single biggest mistake. I mean, if I had not spent seven, eight months coding the version and if I had just shown people this is what I'm trying to build and maybe even a simple screen or a mock-up, I would have gotten feedback much earlier that it was way too complex for anyone to understand. So in contrast, the Visual Website Optimizer first version I developed in uh, uh, one month only. And for that, I uh, just abstracted a lot of stuff when it comes to colors, designs. The first logo of Visual Website Optimizer was just Visual Website Optimizer written in Arial. But I was trying <laughs> to focus in that one month was the core of the product or core of the problem and not anything else. And that enabled me to show the core much earlier within one month and get feedback whether I was in the right direction or not. So once you had that first product, the first version of Wingify built, how did you get the word out? Who did you go and talk to to get that feedback? The the prototype of Wingify that was there, uh, I had gotten a couple of people to try it out. Uh, they were not using it actively, but they were definitely people who had looked at it. Um, so those were the people I went out and just told them that you looked at Wingify. Uh, that was that didn't work out for you but take a look at the new product I'm developing and uh, and more importantly as as soon as the first version after one month was done I had started writing uh, uh, articles on different blogs I would write articles in Smashing Magazine and uh, say Marketing Profs and lots of other blogs and from there I would get a lot of interest uh, for the Visual Website Optimizer beta. And interestingly, the first version, it had a closed beta, so you could not just come and sign. So it created some sort of an exclusivity where people wanted the beta invites and I was just opening up gradually to get feedback which was digestible for me, you know, five at a time or 10 at a time rather than 100 at a time. You were writing these blog posts and... Um, submitting them to websites or blogs like Smashing Magazine. Was that something new to you? Had you you been writing that kind of content before? Oh, I had not been writing that kind of content before, but uh, I had been writing uh, for a long time. And I maintained my personal blog and uh, I loved writing and that's what worked for me. So I would love to just shut off everything, just open up Microsoft Word and type out an article in say three and four three or four hours that gave me as much pleasure as writing code would give me maybe i was unique in that way but i i just tremendously love writing articles what did you write about that these these blogs would would publish i mean you, you weren't writing about hey i have this great product and <laughs> come and use it so yeah <laughs> Um, so uh, I concentrated a lot on uh, education, uh, educating the market on what A/B testing was. And I did not promote Visual Website Optimizer at all in the articles. Probably it was promoted through the author bio or something else. But most of the article was 
primarily concentrated on what what is ab testing how do you do ab testing what are the some of the things you can do ab testing and uh, other parts which were not clear and, and that part of time ab testing was also something of a mystique for a lot of people and uh, so people were really hungry to learn what, what this thing ab testing is and uh, but the key was to write good articles i mean if i were to evaluate wait i'm still quite proud of some of the articles i wrote because they were quite comprehensive and these publications will not just publish any article you give out right so to put put a lot of thought in structuring and educating uh, uh, giving out the right message that was really important and were you also learning yourself at the time and about about ab testing and getting deeper into that or was that something that you was that something fairly new to you as well Yeah yeah sure so uh, before doing visual website optimizer I mean I had not a lot of familiarity with ab testing uh, I majored in biotechnology <laughs> um but uh, I I I read a lot I mean again I I love to read a lot so I would uh, and I would go beyond just the normal stuff uh, I would read about psychology of users I would read about um the the color theory and I would read everything around how do you increase conversion rates you know i would in fact i remember i had read maybe 10 or 15 research papers through google scholar when it came to increasing conversion rate so i was digesting a lot of information throughout uh, uh, across different types of sources so it enabled me to write uh, articles that give a very unique and fresh perspective and not just reiterate what everybody else was just writing Okay so you would get traffic from those blogs where maybe people would read the the article they they'd read about you in the author bio and then click through to your website and there there would be some kind of opt-in for them to get onto a wait list to get notified Yeah and another I mean another thing that worked well was since it was a closed beta I could promise blogs that uh, I'm happy to give five exclusive coupons to your users to get an early access if you uh, if you you know publish this article and that was an incentive for uh, blogger uh, blogs as well because the readers could really get access to an application which otherwise they would have to wait so close beta worked really well in that aspect as well Oh I see so so they would they would then sort of do a giveaway and say you know we have x number of beta you know passes available to use this product right and then and then you that that help you to create some sort of buzz and 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 you know generate some excitement around using the product as well right that's right great okay okay so you you've you're writing this content you're you're starting to build up a list you've got this next version of the product out which took you a lot less time to build and focuses purely on on ab testing what happened next so all this while i was still working for a company you know i was i had not quit my job so what's next is that my life just became fully occupied with my job and this visual website optimizer product that i was building and uh, probably it was maybe 18 hours every day i was consumed by work and uh, my social life on weekends became uh, just almost non-existent because i was doing this from 
customer support to coding to design to even taking demos if it was not clear uh, or people needed explanation and marketing writing content it was a lot of work for a single person to be doing and that's why eventually uh, i had to quit my job and uh, but even when i had quit my job uh, the product was in free beta uh, so it was a, a small leap of faith for me to quit my uh, job and uh, hope that the product would bring in revenues to sustain myself how many users did you have the day you you quit your job i i think i had about 1000 free users and no revenue no revenue i had hope for revenue but <laughs> uh but i i i sort of rational uh, rationalized that uh, these people are businesses these people are not consumers and if they are using uh, an app that their business depends on they'll be able to pay something and something aggregated over a number of people would at least sustain uh, uh me and my aim was really uh, very humble i just wanted to make uh revenues which were equivalent to my salary which was a thousand dollars at that point of time so it was not a big ambition i was chasing after and that's why i was hopeful that i'll be able to make an equivalent amount of money from visual web optimizer as i was doing from my salary so that was your goal to get to a thousand dollars a month that's right and that 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 would have kept you happy yeah i would have been very happy and Uh, something i coded up people were now ready to pay so let's talk let's talk about the you know the 800 pound gorilla you know so this the google is already there they've got their their website optimizer tool um it's free it maybe is not the easiest thing in the world to use what gave you the the belief that you could charge for your product and and generate revenue from it um i think it, for this time it was really the uh, user experience of the product and when i say user experience i i mean not just the interface but even the nuances of the product uh, as in for for an example uh, google website optimizer would would ask marketers to upload uh, versions of their web pages uh, on their own servers so as a marketer if i were to ab test home page and change a headline i would have to upload another version which was called b.html uh, on my own site and what google web search optimizer would do just split traffic between those two versions which were already on your website what this meant was marketers were a lot dependent on their developers or the it team to code versions and upload and that defeated the entire point that marketers needed to uh, operate independently and optimize their websites independently so with visual website optimizer it was really marketers who were in charge that they could simply ab test without requiring to know any coding or without being dependent on it so that was like a 10x better improvement over google website optimizer so i i was confident i could charge for it i mean of course if google wanted and decided to add uh, uh, such a feature which was which made marketers independent of it team it would have been a different story but they didn't do it they still haven't done that yeah okay so what point when did you end this the the beta program when did you go live oh uh, i went live in may 2010 about uh, 
two months after quitting my job and uh, and and the f- in the first month i think uh, i got about $4000 of revenue which was four times my goal i was really happy and and what was the reaction when you started charging for the product uh, it's, it's interesting you know because uh, from day one i had set expectations that this is uh, this is not a free product it's a free beta and one day paid plans will definitely come but i still remember the day i launched paid plans uh, some users uh, some users were excited about it and they happily paid but uh, some users were definitely very disappointed and they also accused and they compared with google that google is free how can how in how on earth can you charge for the product which google is providing for free uh, so there was a little bit of uh, you know disappointment with some user base but that was okay okay so you've got you've got to $4000 in in monthly recurring revenue what are you doing next i was i was still doing it alone um, and uh, i was working from my home living with, with my parents and just uh, just sitting in a room coding designing doing marketing all day long and uh, i i just did did this uh, a lot of times and uh, I think one of the things I really focused on, and I kept focusing on it uh, since the beta was uh, talking to customers. Again, I would I would uh, just hold off a customer uh, every uh, every week or so, and I would ask them, you know, in what ways are you using? Why did you not use it? And uh, in the product itself, there were so many channels of engaging users where there would be automated emails that were sent to get customer feedback within. the product i prodded them to give feedback so there was a lot of fight collection of feedback and iteration on feedback and that improved product uh, month over month and writing new content also gave uh, uh, increase of users and revenue month on month so the revenue kept increasing and simultaneously i started uh, uh, chatting with a uh, sparsh Uh, who is uh, who was in the same college i was but then he went to uh, oxford university to do his masters so i was in delhi he was in london we started chatting and i said hey this is what i'm doing he started just getting more and more interested started remotely contributing as well so eventually in january he quit his job in london and came back uh, to delhi and joined me as a partner and uh, he took over the engineering part as a cto and I- I took over all the businesses stuff as a CEO. What made you decide to bring on a partner? I mean a lot of people would maybe look at that at the before they go and start building the business, but you you'd achieved a lot by yourself. So why bring on a partner now? Because it was just getting impossible for me to handle everything. Uh it was I mean initially it worked but uh by one point of time there were say 10 and 15 support requests or uh, queries every day there was couple of demo requests there were bugs and all of that so as as the traction got more and more uh, it was just humanly impossible to address all of that by myself and uh, and earlier i didn't uh, involve uh, uh, primarily because not because i intentionally did not involve anyone else but because it was very organic for me to 
code something, write content and just happily do all the functions because it was still manageable when I was starting out all by myself. I thought I did not lack in any specific function, be it design or be it marketing or be it coding. So I did not really want anyone's help because of need. But ultimately, uh, just because the amount of work that needed to be done was so much, I decided to uh, just have more people join me. But it was not really because of lack of skills. I mean, Do you remember how your revenue grew from that first month? By, by the way, when you, when you launched and, and you got that first $4,000, how did you feel? What was your reaction? Yeah, I felt now I could be independent right now. Uh, it's it's uh, it, more than that. I felt uh, uh, my parents were really happy because they were anxious. I had my job uh, and I was just stuck to my computer screen all day long, you know, so they were a little anxious what's going to happen of Paris. But when they saw that this is not some silly thing I was doing with computer, but it was generating actual revenue, they were really happy and I was really happy that now there's at least some window of opportunity where I could uh, become one of the guys in the founders at work who I really admired. Uh, uh, so the possibility excited me more than anything else. And what kind of marketing did you did you do over the first couple of years? So you've launched, uh, you were doing the, the guest posting, the blogging. Were you doing anything else or just you continue doing more of the same? Oh, um, Primarily more of the same. I think a lot of marketing happened through of mouth because the product was iterated uh, very fast. And also focus on customer service was tremendous. And uh, as in when we started expanding the team, everyone in the team did customer support, including all the engineers, including the CTO, including the CEO. So all, all this uh, combined from uh, from the customer orientation point of view, I think it drove a lot of word of mouth. People were happy about the product. People were happy about the service. Um, so they recommended the product to a lot of other folks. Is there an example that you can think of uh, on uh, think, you know, talking about customer service that you think is a good example of, of how you guys really went above and beyond and, and really try to stand out and deliver this outstanding service to your customers? Yeah, a couple of examples, but uh, one that is very, uh, very striking is I remember when we were eight people, we had about 900 customers. So uh, we, we just decided to send everyone a physical card handwritten by us. And uh, it was interesting because uh, there was no clear expectation that we'll get more revenue or there was no clear expectation that uh, this would generate anything. We just felt very grateful that we had paying customers uh, who who could provide us with salaries, who could provide us with the opportunity to bring uh, to to build a company that was completely bootstrapped. So we had these customers from about thirty five countries, nine hundred customers. We handwritten a note to all of them and uh, couriered them these greeting cards on Christmas. And uh, I think that made the team really happy. And we then started getting lots of interesting responses that people never expected that uh, the products they are using, the companies would start sending them handwritten cards, which generated a lot of goodwill. What did you write in those cards? We just wrote, thanks for being a customer. We really appreciate it. And 
and since everybody was doing support everybody knew one or two i mean everybody knew a customer you know who had that special interaction you start recognizing customers by name so as soon as that customer's card came in we would just write a very personal message because that person would have interacted with the customer quite a number of times that's great so looking back at those early days what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that you made i the biggest mistake was probably not growing fast enough and uh, i think when i say fast enough uh, i think we should have expanded the team much faster both on engineering front marketing front sales front and all fronts because we had funds available uh, we had much more revenue than what we were spending so clearly it could have uh, made sense to reinvest a lot of it uh, into just growing fast in fact but i feel uh, i mean the reason we did not reinvest is uh, not because we did not want to but it was a lot of bandwidth uh, it was a lot of bandwidth and learning for me because even as an entrepreneur uh, i was growing myself uh, uh, i was probably 23 24 then and i was learning what really a business is how fast it should be growing i was learning ropes of a lot of different things because i had just worked for a one year at another company before pingify got off and uh, unlike uh, silicon valley and san francisco where the the startup community is very tight and people learn from each other and there's just so much of advice available overall in delhi there was a lot for us to learn by ourselves right? i mean i i remember i didn't even know there's a position like uh, vp of sales or there's a function like product management and all of that it was just uh, uh, unknown unknowns for me and that's why looking back i know so much but at that point of time just i didn't just know any of that and also since we are bootstrap we didn't have any investors to tell us you should be doing this and you should be doing that so self learning took a lot of time for myself and the company so how many people do you have now in the company we have uh, 60 people 60 yeah wow that's quite some growth Yeah it's 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 been it's been interesting uh, I mean every time we had I mean every time we take an office we feel that we'll be in this office for 3 years but we end up changing office every year this the current office is probably our fifth office that we've moved into And how many customers do you have today We have uh, about 3800 paying customers Give me some examples of customers that you have that you know some some brands or some names that people would know. So we uh, so our customer base is uh, composed of three primarily three different categories. One of them is small and medium businesses, the other is, is agencies, uh the uh, consultants who develop websites for the clients and the third is enterprises. So we work with customers like uh, India on the enterprise side Microsoft, Rackspace, uh GE uh and uh, and lots of other such uh, such brand names so uh, and uh, and we've been lucky to be able to grow 100% year on year for the last 4 years so every year our business has doubled uh, so it's been uh, tremendous uh, learning for for us as far as revenue is concerned i mean we're very public with it right now we're doing about 8 million dollars in uh, revenue run rate 
Did you have any idea that you would be building an $8 million business when you quit your job? No, <laughs> I didn't. I did not have the slightest of ideas. So, yeah. And it's still growing, right? It's not. Yeah, it's it's still growing. I mean, we've uh, every quarter we see uh, a, a double digit growth, and that's our intention. Our intention is to keep growing uh, uh, at hundred uh, percent as long as possible. Of course, as the base grows, it becomes more difficult to stay in that growth. But that's where the interesting challenge comes. If other companies have been able to grow fast, what stops from Wingify uh, uh, from growing as fast? Right? And that also means every year it's sort of a new learning. And what I learned in first year is probably not that relevant in second year. And the same with what I learned last year is not relevant uh, this year. As the business grows, the nature of challenges is just way different. So have you brought on some advisors at, at this point? Or, or how, how are you dealing with this learning and, and this growth that, that's happening with, around you? Um, I, I think now... Um, I I mean I I have a network of entrepreneurs I have a network of people uh within India uh, and and outside as well who I just tap into for asking for advice to people who are building businesses who have done that and uh, it's a lot lot of constant uh, uh learning of people who have done that reaching out to them and asking am I doing the right thing or I'm not doing the right thing. Even even if the business is say eight million dollars of revenue, it's still nowhere uh, where uh, I have vision for this business to be, and that's why I still feel I've barely begun in terms of learning how to build a large business. So, what is that vision? What where are you? Where do you want to take this business in the next three to five years? Uh, for Wingify, I want uh, Wingify to be able to build uh, products uh, which are world class. And the company vision is to start uh, start associating India with uh, great software products. So it's my firm belief that uh, uh, what so what happened uh, uh, to to IT services in India. I mean, India is known for a leader in IT services with companies like Infosys. Uh, TCS, Wipro, and lots of other big companies um, that the same thing should start happening with products, um, that India should be a place where uh, world-class products are built and uh, Wingify should be a flag bearer of that you know, movement. Um, so, so really, that's my ambition to Wingify to be one of the most respected software product companies to come out of India. Yeah, and I think that's a great vision you know a lot of times i hear people who work with with companies some like some of the companies that you mentioned in in india for it services and you know people will sometimes tell me you know yeah you can you can get people there who are great at execution but not necessarily you know we don't necessarily find people who can be the visionaries or who can build those products and things like that. And I think, you know, you, you, with what you've done over the last few years, you've really broken that mold. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why, uh, uh, why, why a geography should be a constraint of where software products could come out of. I could imagine geography as a constraint for say something like a diamond mine or a coal mine. But, uh, in this day and age, uh, uh, where software could be launched from, even the remotest of places, it's just 
the way of thinking and and the way of thinking could be influenced right if if in india we pick up an iphone and really admire the user interface i think we should be able to build a similarly uh, fantastic product you know, right here there's just nothing lacking so it will take time and one thing that is being going really well in uh, silicon valley or san francisco or in general us because they have people who have built and scaled businesses and apple was started in 1976 and microsoft was started in a similar fashion so the silicon valley has this cumulative experience of 35 to 40 years of talent that has scaled businesses but in india the product uh, product thinking is just beginning to emerge in last you know 3 to 4 years so there's a lot of catching up in india but uh, that's what's the interesting challenges right and you are able to build an in- entire ecosystem of product thinkers in india yeah you know it you kind of it sort of reminds me of roger banister running that 4 minute mile where you know nobody had done it up until the time that he did and then suddenly the year after i don't know how many there were countless people who who were able to to achieve that same same outcome and and i wonder you know if there are you know a lot of young young well you're pretty young so but younger entrepreneurs in india who are looking at what you're doing who now have maybe a new sense of 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 belief in in terms of the companies that they can build as well yeah i mean even within wingify we have had people who have worked here for a while and then went ahead and did their own uh, you know startups and that that gives me a lot of satisfaction uh what 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 uh, india really lacks and and for that matter any geography i'm not just talking about india is role models you know people should be able to see and really believe that this is possible and i'm sure when uh, apple came up microsoft came up a lot of other companies would have get gotten inspired by those companies and now with google and facebook new generation of people in san francisco and stanford university are getting inspired so it's just inspiration that is trickling down and that is where i feel the responsibility of wingy fan myself to create some sort of uh, you know uh, a benchmark for people to look and really strive to go and surpass even going forward all right it's now time for our lightning round i'm going to ask you a series of questions and i'd like you to answer them as quickly as possible are you ready sure great here we go what's the best piece of business advice that you ever received i think it it is about hiring in terms of uh, you know hiring the absolutely best people possible and not really closing a position because you need to close it fast what book would you recommend to our audience and why and i know you uh, maybe let's say other than founders at work uh, that's a hard one <laughs> and i read a lot of books uh, i mean i mean i would probably recommend uh, two books and not one one is uh, a very recent one and probably there's a bias because it's recent one but i really really loved peter thiel's book 0 to 1 it's it's more about philosophy of building a business that, that could become large you know rather than specific things but the way he thinks the way he uh describes things is just tremendously useful and the second book is fooled by randomness by nasim talib again he shows how there's so many cognitive biases that come to picture when we think about a lot of stuff and that it's so easy to get fooled by the data we have in front of our, or the opinions we have T- tell me the title of that book again you broke up a little 
it's called fooled by randomness by nasim taleb what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur um i think it would be uh, patience or perseverance as people like to say really cracking uh, cracking a business that could scale tremendously it takes a lot of patience uh, and the way i look at it is say an example of apple where uh, apple was on brink of bankruptcy at one point of time but today it's the most valuable company in the world and uh, this just means that uh, you know if coming everything together might take just a lot of time you just have to have patience or uh, and you just have to be ready for the right opportunity to arrive when you take uh, advantage of it what's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit so on on the gmail uh, uh, i i use a product called active inbox again it's really a uh, you know getting thing done sort of a tool but uh, earlier when i would used to email people and i would send lots of email i was as i would delegate or send email to people to ask for feedback or something else i would probably not be able to follow up with all of them and what happened was i would be in a constant state of anxiety whether you know everything was being taken care of or what i had asked for did i get or not so with that plugin uh, you can simply say i'm expecting a reply for a specific email and then that means once you've sent an email it goes off your mind and you can just carry on with the other day and the second a uh, productivity tool would really be a notebook for me where if there's something going on in my mind i would just write it down and forget about it yeah. and it just takes a lot of load out of mind and lets you concentrate if you had to start over tomorrow how would you go about finding that next business idea interesting <laughs> that that's a good one and uh, i'm i'm probably doing that right now as we are building out a mobile product uh, in fact not a mobile product but just researching the mobile space on what could be next and the way i would do is to um, make it totally customer oriented uh, so even with the visual website optimizer i had spent one month developed a prototype but this time i would not even maybe develop a prototype and just uh, talk to lots of customers to understand what's the problem space and not and when i say problem space it really means thinking about what are the challenges and problems rather than a solution because what happens is that even if you propose a solution people will not be able to come up with uh, how can how can their problems be solved but they can really come up with what problems they face what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know interesting probably uh, uh, i mean it, it's on my uh, twitter bio but maybe many people who would read my uh, you know startup post or something may not know that i am uh, a nihilist and by nihilist i mean i believe there is uh, no meaning to life you know and there is no larger purpose uh, that uh, mankind is there it's just you know existing out there so sometimes a lot of people when they come across this fact and they ask how do you reconcile doing a startup and being a nihilist and uh, and it's it's an interesting uh, uh, problem for them as well to think about how can a person not believe in anything but still do a startup <laughs> okay and finally what is one of your most important passions outside of your work 
I I really love reading uh, about uh, I I love reading and thinking about uh, you know the philosophical aspects. Uh, so I would uh, I would read about uh, and both philosophy, cosmology, and evolutionary biology. If I were to say these were the three subjects I'm really interested in. All right, those are great answers, Baras. I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about Wingify and Visual Website Optimizer. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and insights with our audience, and, and thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally too. If folks want to find out more about Visual Website Optimizer or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, for, for checking out Visual Website Optimizer, uh, they can go to wwo.com and they can also sign up for a free trial. We don't ask for a credit card or any payment information. So if you can go ahead and try out the product for 30 days uh, without uh, without any commitments of anything or sort. And to reach to me, just email me. Uh, it's uh, paras, P-A-R-A-S, at wingify.com, W-I-N-G-I-F-I.com. Awesome. Thanks again, Paras, and I wish you continued success. Thanks, Omar. I, I really, the time flew. I did not notice. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you.